0: Massimo? No. Yeah. No! Absolutely
1: not, no. He's foreign. Massimo not has a creeper. heart of gold. Yeah, he's an amazing character. I love him in that. Right. And I love The Wedding All Planner. Right.
2: Okay, then obviously, I mean, I love The Wedding Planner too. I just think that character's a little little creepy, but apparently that's a hot take, so I'll stay away from that. <laughs> hey everybody, this is David. And this is Alon. and welcome to I Finally Watched, where we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before. And today, I finally watched The Notebook. And the reason
1: we're watching the Notebook is because we have a special guest today who chose the Notebook. uh, Taylor. Hey. So Taylor is Alon's girlfriend who he mentions quite often on the podcast, and they love watching movies together. And the Notebook, I believe, is one of her favorites. Uh, She can deny that if she wants.
0: Nope, it's one of my favorites.
1: Can you give us a little background on like when you first saw this movie and kind of what it what it meant to you, I guess? And give us give us give us the details.
0: So I didn't see this movie when it first came out. I saw it maybe a few years later. I think I was a sophomore in high school or something, which is like prime Nicholas Sparks movie age is freshman in high school. Um, Although of the other Nicholas Sparks movies, I didn't think any of them were very memorable other than this one. And I think um, the reason this one really stuck with me Partially is because maybe the last I don't know 32 minutes of the movie I just like cried for the last, <laughs> the whole last half hour because the dialogue was so meaningful to me and I really haven't watched the movie again since watching it the first time and watching it back with Alon for his first time re-listening to that dialogue and going mm, is it as good as I remember when I was. 14, 15 years old. And it really, really is. So, so
2: so you, you, you think it still holds up as well as from the first time. See, I, I usually cry in all movies. No, but seriously, I, I do get like, you know, emotional during, I guess, parts of movies that are supposed to get you emotional.
0: And Christmas commercials as well. And,
2: and Christmas commercials, <laughs> yes. Um, but I did not cry. And, and I think that surprised us both in a way that I didn't get as emotional as I usually do. And I don't know if it's because, well, it's probably because of all the hype, I guess you would say, surrounding this movie on how emotional it is, how sad it is, how, tragic and lovely and everything it is and I was just kind of like okay you know I saw it and, and I I will admit I got teary-eyed but I didn't like full out ball um, but David I know you get emotional during movies too did you cry the first time you saw this the first time
1: probably watching it again over the last couple of days um, the only part that actually got to me was the james garner stuff at the end when he finally gets Allie to recognize him and then she doesn't again and i didn't actually cry just a little you know that little that little choke up in the in the throat um Mm -hmm. but i mean it is is such a it is it is a good movie there's like some comically bad parts to it but it is overall like there's some pretty great stuff in it i um i asked Uh, my wife Ashley if she wanted to watch it again with me since we had to do this and she was like you know when I first watched it I really loved it and then the last time I watched it I did not like it as much (laughs) so she she passed um but I don't I don't I honestly don't know why I didn't watch this like in high school when it came out
2: yeah I mean 16 years uh it's been 16 years since the movie came out and it's taken me this long to, to see it. Uh, but I think, I think just because people wanting me to see it and it is a Nicholas Sparks movie and it's like a lovey-dovey rom-com with, I guess, a little less comedy. Um, but I just kind of refused to watch it just because I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't, why do I need to, See this, but in watching it, I did enjoy it. I thought it was really well done. I think I saw one more Nicholas Sparks movie. Uh I think the one with Miley Cyrus, that's that's one, right? Yeah. What's that one called?
0: The Last Song. The
2: Last Song. I think I saw the last song. Um and I hated it. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much kind of I, I was at that point I was like, well, damn, I'm I'm glad I never saw the notebook or any other Nicholas Sparks movie. Uh, But this one, I I mean, this one was really well-acted, beautiful shots. Um, It it was just, like, it didn't feel like a silly, like, I guess, like, Twilight, tween, melodrama crap. It felt like a, a real movie, and I actually liked it quite a bit. And I know, Taylor, you love it, but you seem... David, not to like, you don't like this movie or you like it okay?
0: Yeah, I'd really like to hear about the parts that you said were comically bad. I'd love to hear about that.
2: Oh, we'll get
1: to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> no, I, um, so I like the movie. Um, I think there's a lot of great parts to it. Um, obviously getting Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling, like, they're great actors, and so they're great in it. Um, and also a lot of the side characters. <laughs> There's some moments in it, though. Um, the wedding dress scene. What?
0: The scene
1: where Rachel. The scene where Rachel McAdams is trying on the wedding dress.
0: You don't like that scene?
1: Not for me. Not. It's Why? not. Why? Yeah. What? What part of the
2: scene you don't like? Sp-
1: specifically when the, one of her friends says, "This is gonna be like." this is gonna be the event of the season. And then her mom chimes in, honey, this is gonna be an event like which this town has never seen. And then like purses her lips and does this little dance. It's like, what is wrong with you?
0: Yeah, her the- friends in that scene are like insufferable.
1: Yeah, so that scene. Um, <laughs> the other scene that really makes me, uh, made me laugh was when they go out in the boat after she comes back to him, when she has a new fiance, uh, spoiler alert and um it starts to rain and they just both laugh at the idea of rain hitting them they're just like the worst the worst laughter i've ever seen on screen not to overstate it but it was just bad
2: is it is it the worst it's it's uh it's like yoda bad i'm sorry no no no. nothing
1: (laughs) i i misspoke and i apologize to ray Liotta because nothing tops that
0: Yeah, I think that was ADR'd. So they were trying to match their laughter after the fact with their movements. So as you see her like rocking back and forth when she's laughing, she's trying to mimic that with the ADR and it sounds so fake. I, I agree I, that, but at, that scene is still good. Like that doesn't take anything away from the scene for me.
1: Well, no, no. And then, and then right after that, sorry, Lon. Right after that, you have the iconic scene, which you know I love, everyone loves. Of him explaining how much he wrote to her and then them finally, you know, getting it
2: on. Thank you for that. Um, there's You're welcome. There's a lot of parts in the movie where they do have to ADR. Um, and and sometimes they do it really well. And but there is moments in the movie that the sound design and the sound mixing is just very bad and that kind of took me out of the movie i mean i i I guess just me looking at it through like a a highly critical lens um to most people you you, taylor you probably didn't notice any of that the first time you saw it
0: no the first time i saw it it was like flawless to me definitely going back and recognizing some of the voices not matching up probably because of watching so many movies Mm -hmm. with you and you Pointing out, oh that that's bad, oh that's bad. So now, of course, I have to see all of that.
2: Well, but the also, first time I
0: watched it, it was like I I didn't notice any of that.
2: Well, also from my understanding of the first time you saw it, uh, your eyes were probably full of tears, and you could probably uh, not see much of the movie. Yeah, yes,
0: yeah, from the from the part in the movie where. Um, she her mom comes to noah's house and takes her on a drive and she comes back and talks to noah her mom gives her the big stack of letters and her and noah are talking and then they start fighting and he says what do you want what do you want and that's what that's the moment that the first time i started or the first time i watched it that's the moment i started crying and then i didn't stop crying for the whole rest of the movie like everything just hits you like one after the other but watching it back again with you i didn't cry at all well
2: yeah i mean
1: that that well, I, I got i got choked up when he says it's going to be hard
0: yeah that's a really really good monologue it's one of my favorite monologues i think of all time is that whole section of 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 that scene of that scene
2: well you know it's funny though i could see myself or you know someone else tearing up and getting getting emotional over the it's going to be hard part of it but i don't see that with the what do you want but i mean that's probably just on perspective all right and the
1: final unintentional comedy moment that was really bad because i'll always see kevin connelly as e from entourage and someone and when he's in anything else it's just like you know and i don't think he's bad in this (laughs) when he dies in the war and he's just buried up to his neck and i was like that's not sad at all. Like I know they're trying to make us sad here, but like I, I don't care.
0: I think the that part of it is intentional because if you get to the end of the movie and realize that whole story that Noah is telling Allie is when she's old um, was actually written by Allie, like the notebook was written by her, so. Right she wasn't there for that.
2: Yeah, when it, whenever it's like the story of them b- younger from Ryan Gosling's perspective, from Noah's, from young Noah's perspective, you're right. You can tell that there's like a, a lack of detail. I remember like the first time watching it, I noticed um, this particular scene and then I'll explain in a second. And then the second time I was like, oh, that's why, once you know that the story is written by Allie, is that there are are moments, because I guess in my head, since Noah's older Noah is reading it, I just assume that it was written by him. But there's parts in the movie where it's just Allie, you know, crying, or she's just sitting alone in front of a canvas painting, or she's with her mom. And I'm like, how does Noah know these like super intricate details about her life and what she's feeling and thinking? And I guess there's always the possibility of she told him, but then when you find out that she's the one who wrote it, it very clearly makes sense from that point. Like, Oh, anything that's, you know, Noah alone is very matter of fact. Oh, he got the house. He painted the house white. His His father father died. The funeral was short and whatever. and then anything with just Allie was very, very detailed and like emotionally driven. You got me. <laughs> I know. All right.
1: I do wanna I do wanna start back at the beginning so we can kind of go through the movie a little bit. Taylor, how did the how did the Ferris wheel scene hit you as, as young Taylor?
0: I hate that scene. I hated that scene the first time I saw it. Watching it again and knowing that they fall in love and it's not super weird, I didn't have the same feeling. But the first time I watched it, I felt so uncomfortable. I was like, this guy is creepy. He's crazy. If I was in her shoes, I never in a million years, if I saw him walking across the street towards me, I would run in the other direction. Like he, that's terrifying to me. He's so creepy. But I I watching it. I mean, obviously, you know that it's not, but yeah.
1: Kind of a dick move, too. Like, this guy's, you know, trying to go after Allie, and then you just ask, ask her out in front of him on the Ferris wheel. You know? Not cool, I, Noah.
2: Well, I also really like how any mustachioed guy in this movie is like somewhat of an antagonist towards Allie and Noah being together like it first starts out with the the guy and he kind of has like a goatee thing going on on the ferris wheel but then and it got me like it shocked me to my core when i saw ali's father who's just this like menacing looking guy with like slick back uh hair and this like twirly mustache and i'm like they pulled this guy like straight from the strips of a of a villain's comic book,
1: he's my favorite character. He would be. <laughs> well, what what I really and I'm going to go back to the Ferris book because I have another point about that. But he's he's what I love about him is he's not like a stereotypical foil to this young love relationship. Like he he tells her he's like you know he's not good enough for you, but he does absolutely nothing to stop them. Like and he he does it. He almost seems to be you know it'll play itself out, or you know if she makes that decision, whatever. But the, the mom is the actual foil, which is, I think, kind of a cool aspect of this movie.
2: No, it is. It's definitely, I like that aspect of the movie. I was telling Taylor when we were watching this is that um, both the parents have the same motivation. They have the same want for their daughter, but they go about it in two very different ways, which I, I really like the dynamic of um, – the father was more passive and the mother was more um, as an aggravant. So mm. I, I like that part about it. what, what did you think about that whole like Allie's parents dynamic in, in retrospect to their characters?
0: I think to a certain extent, the the father is kind of like an unnecessary character in a sense. Like he's just kind of there for me. He just says, I don't like it, but that's pretty much it. He doesn't really add or take away anything from it. But the mom, like David said, is really the driving force behind um, trying to break them up. And I really think the, the psychology behind that, that she made a mistake, maybe, when she was younger, choosing the wrong guy. I mean, she'll never really know if she made the right decision or not. And that kind of kills her. And she, for most of the movie, wants. Allie to make the same decision that she ended up making, almost out of bitterness. She doesn't want her to have something that she never got to have. And I think that is really interesting.
2: Well, I'll, I'll say this, because um, I've, I've been giving a lot of praise to the movie, but that is one part I did not like about the movie, is that the mom acts as this like uh, villain character for the whole movie, And then up towards the ending, oh, you just so happened to find out that she had kind of the same issue and she chose the rich instead of the, I guess, the passion. And she kind of just turns on a dime to be like, well, actually, I know I've been going against this whole thing this entire time, but just do what you want. BTW, here's the 365 letters I, I kept from you. I just, I thought it was just kind of a, a weird flip of her character all of a sudden i didn't
1: think i don't think she flipped though i think she still wanted him to end up with the rich guy with lawn but she she, was seemed, just a,
2: she seemed way less motivated to push it at that point
1: well at a certain point you just have to give up you know what i mean like how 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 long are you going to try and force her hand i mean at this point she's no longer 17 she's an adult but i think she still makes it clear like you should choose Lon. And what I what I like about the movie is I think there are no just super like villainous characters. There are no bad people really. Like Lon is a good guy. The mom isn't like horrible. She has her reasons, and she could be a lot worse. And the dad, I mean, the dad's just amazing.
0: <laughs> I'm really glad that you bring that up. That there's not really an antagonist because, and Alon will tell you. I complain about this in other movies all the time, that there's always some kind of love triangle. And in the love triangle, one person has to be like just an absolute asshole villain. That's like, why are they even in the love triangle? They're clearly awful. Everyone hates them. It's obvious that they're like
2: evil. Like why is the main girl or guy even with them?
0: Why is that that even in, in consideration? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. It's just to make everything more dramatized, but in real life, 99% of the time, the third person in the love triangle is not some crazy, psychotic villain. So I really love that about this movie, that they really, they built up her and Noah's relationship really well, but they also built up her and Lon's relationship really well. So if she did choose Lon, if she ended up with Lon, you would kind of You'd be sad, but you would understand why, because he's not a shitty person.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that they'll do in like shitty, uh, you know, triangle love triangle movies is they'll have these two guys, and you know, you're rooting for one, and the other guy he seems all right, and then he just does something super evil to like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like the best, the the most over dramatized um, example that I can think of is like Frozen where you think Hans is like this nice guy and Christoph is this nice guy. And you're like, oh, she clearly belongs with Kristoff. But Hans, look what he's doing for the town. And then he's just like, meh, I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah. it That's an over-dramatized example. But that same setup is in so many movies. It, it is
2: in so many movies. But y- there are few movies that come to mind where I'm like, it's kind of that equilibrium of love triangle. You know, no one's really the bad guy. The few movies are one Twister. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this David but Lost in Translation? Yes. Yes and then uh, another one is um, Twilight.
0: Oh no. Because
2: if you really think about it are you team Edward? Oh no. Or team Jacob?
0: Don't tell me you're a Twy hard mom. (laughs) No the the other good example I can think of is another movie that I really love is um, The Wedding Planner. And that's more him. of a love square, but all four people in the love square are good people.
2: Except the, the, the guy who wants to be with um, Jennifer Lopez is kind of creepy. Massimo? No. Yeah. No! Absolutely not, no. He's foreign. Massimo he's has a creepy. heart
0: of gold.
2: Yeah, he's an
1: amazing character. I love him in that, right. and I love The Wedding right. Planner.
2: Okay, then obviously, I mean, I love The Wedding Planner too. I just think that character's a little little creepy, but apparently that's a hot take, so I'll stay away from that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and please never bring up Twilight again. Now, I think I mentioned this before, but like the things that I really love about this movie are the acting. And one scene that I thought Rachel McAdams in particular was great in was their breakup before she leaves for the summer, where she doesn't think it's a breakup, but she does, because she acts, I mean, I don't think she was actually 17 at the time, but maybe I can look it up, but... She acts completely like a spoiled teenager like drama queen basically and just the the way she does it is so I thought so realistic and so good.
0: Yeah, her acting in this film is really really good and there's such subtle nuances in her posture that really make it for me like when she is supposed to be 17 you can see it in her shoulders and in her back. And the way she stands, she stands like a 17 year old. And then when she's older, she stands like a woman. And then there's this other scene where, um, it's where she's going back to the hotel to meet Lon when he comes down to kind of get her back. And she's crying and she's about to go into the hotel and she looks at herself in the car mirror and sees like her hair and her makeup is all crazy. And she um, is pulling apart bobby pins with her teeth and putting them in her hair. And her lips are quivering as she's trying to put in her bobby pins. And just the subtle little details of her acting really make the film so much more, I don't know, magical, I guess.
1: Yeah, they did, they did a really great job of like showing the difference in age from that summer to when they see each other again because I think they say it's like seven years apart but they look like teenagers in the beginning and then I guess mostly with Gosling's beard but then the way they do her hair and just the way she acts both of them act like is really well done to like
2: differentiate their ages from the beginning to the end yeah I mean when I first saw Ryan Gosling that young in the beginning of the movie it didn't even look like him to me I even looked it up I was like did they do some sort of really subtle de-aging process on his face and post or something about like Taylor was pointing out like his chin is so pointy and slender and his eyes have like absolutely no bags under them. And then when he's older and he has the the plantation house, um, his beard, but also his his jaw is wider and his eyes are more worn out. But honestly I couldn't I couldn't find anything um about like some digital de-aging. It just, it was all makeup and lighting and the way it was shot. And of course, uh, just the, the brilliant way he, act, he acted in the movie, which I'm not usually a huge fan of Ryan Gosling's acting. Um, sorry, what I'm sorry, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, what?
2: I know, I know. I, I just think he's very good at looking broody and emotional and just kind of emoting that. But you guys have been saying for quite a while that he's such a good actor, an amazing actor. What a fine actor. And I think this movie for me, I was like, damn, you know, you guys are right. Because he is a very subtle actor, but the scene that I really liked was the scene right before the one you like, Rachel McAd- um, McAdams in where they're breaking up in the middle of the summer and he's sitting there outside the door of her parents, like screaming how much of a trash person he is. And he's just sitting there and the camera is just like lingering on him. And you just see his eyes just kind of swell up with tears. And uh, I just like, Oh, damn, that's good.
0: Yeah. Again, the tiny details in his acting, like when you, when he's looking at Allie, like he loves her, it really looks like he loves her in the smallest little detail, like the little, you can see his eyes turn up and his lips turn up. It's like very subtle little differences in his face. But that scene that you mentioned, I, is one of my favorite scenes as well. Um, just the way that it's set up, that when you're in the room with Allie and her parents, you can hear everything they're saying and they're screaming. And then when you move into where he is, you can maybe pick up like a word or two that they're screaming in the next room, but you're not really supposed to hear what they're saying. You're supposed to see what it's doing to him. And the way that they set that scene up was, I thought, really, really, really good, really effective.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just, it's kind of bonkers to me how the, the, this is a Nicholas Sparks adaptation and how superior this whole movie is to all the other adaptation films of his. It's just like, why not true. Why even bother with what are you saying? Not true. You you like a different Nicholas Sparks movie?
1: I've seen two other Nicholas Sparks movies, and I was going to get to this at some point. One of them is Safe Haven. Absolute, absolute garbage. But the other Nicholas Sparks movie that is and will always have a place in my heart is A Walk to Remember. And along with not allowing Ryan Gosling slander on this podcast, I will not allow A Walk to Remember slander.
0: I actually didn't know A Walk to Remember was a Nicholas Sparks novel.
2: Yeah, I actually have never seen A Walk to
0: Remember. Me neither. Oh.
2: Well, I have. Taylor's coming back. Yeah, I didn't know
1: it was a Nicholas Sparks novel either until I looked it up while we were talking. Um, I love that movie. Uh, That was one that came out right before this. So Notebook, I guess, was his third book that was made into a movie. Um, But yeah, A Walk to Remember is great. What I also like about Gosling's performance in this too, to once again defend him because Alon just said something crazy. They also like, there's a couple moments where they let you show his like comedic abilities, mm-hmm. um, where Ali runs into the fence and he just walks over and he's like, D- you, wanna, you wanna come inside? And then the way his eyes and mouth like move when Martha comes over and wants to meet Ally, which is also just real weird as a,
0: like, yeah, the nostril character like
1: he does. Well, and then the just like, oh, I guess I guess you're coming in. I was also super happy that we didn't have to watch any of the interaction between Martha and Allie, and they skipped over that and just told us it went well. Um, yeah. Martha made me sad. Um, I felt real bad for her, and then I was also just didn't understand why she wanted to meet Allie, but I guess it all worked out. I also forgot to mention my favorite part in the movie is the uh, him selling the house montage. Oh my especially, god! Especially, when the guy's like, he's like, "You're offering me five thousand more than I asked for," and the guy's like, "I know," and then he just cocks the shotgun. <laughs> yeah.
0: Save the, the movie.
2: What's your favorite part of the movie, Taylor?
0: My favorite scene.
2: Like your just your favorite. It can be a scene, moment, whatever. A, moment, a second, a line. What's your like? Hmm.
0: I think my favorite scene is the scene that I mentioned earlier where he's asking her what she wants. I really think that the dialogue there is so strong and you really feel for these two characters. Uh, what was your favorite scene, Alon?
2: Um, I'm kind of torn between the scene where in the uh, like present day where their kids come to visit them at the nursing home and they have this moment where they have to uh, ease her through her dementia and pretend not to know her, like pretend to to be meeting her for the first time. Um, Cause I think one, if you're not aware of anything about this movie, that's the moment where you kind of know everything. You know that she's Allie in the story, he's Noah in the story, they're married, it's their kids, she has dementia. So I think that moment was really well done. And then, um, the other moment was when they're rowing in the boat with all the, uh, the ducks and the geese and the swans around them.
0: You told me earlier that one of your favorite scenes was the, um, if you're a bird, I'm a bird scene.
2: Yeah, but I love that scene, but I feel like that's way too cliche to say it's my favorite, because like, every- everyone loves that scene.
0: No, it's not, it's not cliche, it's classic. And there's so many scenes in this movie that are so so classic which i think is why you guys have done yourselves a disservice seeing it so late because all those scenes have been blown up everywhere you know the if you're a bird i'm a bird you know about them laying in the street and she goes what happens if a car comes and he goes we die you know like those scenes that are classic you ruin them for yourself waiting so long to see it and I guess my question is, did you feel like, for you, that took away from those scenes because you had already seen them blown up everywhere?
2: Well, I don't know about David, but for me, I, if you're a bird, I'm a bird, is probably the only thing I actually knew about it. I didn't know about the the street scene. I didn't know about the... Um,
0: what about the scene in the rain where he says, "I wrote you three hundred letters," and then they kiss okay. in the rain?
2: Okay, yeah, I, kn- I knew that one. Yeah, I knew that one too. And I only know that one because uh, that kiss was like the kiss of the year in movies. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of people know know that scene. So fine, that scene—the you're a bird, I'm a bird beach scene. But there's a there's it's a it's a over a two hour movie and there's a lot of scenes that were my first time hearing about them and I enjoyed them, I feel like as much as I would have, you know, now than I did back then. I mean, that's just like two scenes ruined for me, but it didn't ruin the whole movie for me. I mean, did did it ruin it for you, Yeah, what
0: about you, David? So,
1: I don't think, not, not the scenes didn't necessarily get ruined for me. I feel like, and this is something I'll ask you, Taylor. One, I feel like just the overall like feel of the movie, it felt older, like not as in a way that just didn't make it as good to me. But then also, I think one of the, the key aspects of this movie when you saw it when you were younger was the fact that the guy telling the story is Noah and that this is Allie. And I don't know if that got ruined for me or if it was just obvious. Was like, was it obvious when you first saw it? Like, when did you figure it out? If you remember,
0: so they keep calling Noah Duke throughout the whole beginning of the movie, and right. I remember, um, I remember realizing that it was her pretty early in the movie. Maybe like a third or a half the way through, I realized that that was her. Um, but it wasn't really like confirmed that Duke and Noah were the same person until he quotes Walt Whitman to her. And then that's kind of, okay, so that's definitely Noah. Um,
1: Did you think Duke could have been Lon? Was that what they were going for, that it could have been either guy?
0: I think for me, first watching it, uh, I thought that he was just a nice guy from the nursing home that just volunteered to read for her.
2: Well. I thought, kind of like what you were saying, David, I thought it was kind of fairly obvious. And again, I don't know if, it, if I just subconsciously had it ruined for me in the past or if it was just that obvious. But I think you're right, David, to, to a point where they were kind of being like, well, is it Noah? Is it Lon? Because if you remember at the end, towards the end of the movie, when he finishes reading the notebook, the last thing he says in The Notebook is, Lon, Lon says something along the lines of, I don't have to convince my fiance to marry me. And she goes, you don't have to. I know you're the, you're the man I love. And then he, uh, Duke reads, And they lived happily ever after. And at that point, I think the movie was really trying to get you to think that Duke is Lon. But then about two minutes later, she knows that's not the ending. She knows that's wrong and she figures it out for herself and it, it, then it's revealed to you that he's definitely Noah. And she remembers And him. she remembers everything. But I, I, I think David's right. I think the movie writers really wanted to push the thought that it might also have been law this entire time. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and then... From the rest of the
1: movie on they just try and make you get as sad as possible (laughs) yeah yep like that Uh, last 10 minutes is just like let's see if we can get them to cry
2: more well i thought i thought i heard that the movie ended on her freak out like it's this kind of this like um never ending wheel where she remembers everything for like five minutes and then she freaks out and then like it's gonna be like cut to the next day where, she, where he has to read the whole thing again to her. Um, I thought that's- That's 50,
1: that's 50 first
2: dates. Thank you. Um, but I thought that's the kind of the way the movie was gonna end. And then I was like, well, damn, if it ends with her freaking out at the end and you just know that he has to do this every day, it's like, that's a really sad ending. And then the writers are like, oh no, it can get sadder. You ready? You ready?
1: I actually, I thought them dying together. I was like, that's kind of the best outcome
2: they could have hoped for.
0: Yeah, really, It's so beautiful.
2: So I saw this for my first time uh, yesterday, and I, I really, I really loved it. Uh, I think it is, without seeing many other Nicholas Sparks movies, uh, one of the best, if not the best, Nicholas Sparks adaptation. But also one of the best. Um, romantic stories. I know Taylor, you, you know, I love rom-coms and romantic, uh, romantic genre. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is 500 days of summer. And you asked me comparing it to 500 days of summer, where does the notebook lie? And I said that 500 days of summer flips that genre on its head. So I think that is still my favorite romantic movie but the notebook kind of defines the genre especially like 2000s the idea of a 2000s romantic movie the notebook kind of defines that you still think it it holds up and and it's still like a like for that kind of genre or maybe movies as a whole you think it's one of the best
0: i really do it watching it again yesterday, it, I couldn't stop thinking about it all day. Like, little parts of the movie that I'm like, oh yeah, and this part and this part, and how this all wraps up, and different points in the movie that were just really spectacular to me, I couldn't stop thinking about it all day. And then today, when we watched it again, um, because you watch it twice before you do the review, I wanted to watch the entire movie again the day after. Like I, I could watch it again right now and I could watch again in three, how long is it? Two hours? I'll watch it again in two hours.
2: Well, we're not doing that. <laughs> so that, just forget that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's, a great, it's a great movie. And I, I think for being 16, year old, 16 years old, it does hold up quite well.
0: David, what are your final thoughts?
1: I think it does still hold up pretty well. There's obviously some moments we talked about that are somewhat comical. Um, really, after watching this, I just I just realized that I need to go watch A Walk to Remember again. That's kind <laughs> of my takeaway. Um, but it, it's great, you know the the performances are really great, and uh, you know I won't I won't avoid watching it again at some point.
0: I guess we'll just have to uh, do this again for a Walk to Remember. <laughs>
2: absolutely well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched where i finally watched the notebook i'm Elan. i'm david
0: i'm taylor thanks for having me guys
2: yeah it was fun see you next time